need this morning, you want to remember it before the Lord, He's more than able. He hears thousands and millions of voices maybe around the earth, but He cares for every one of them. We had a sister Angie Brown who had an emergency request. We're going to remember her as well. Hold every need before the Lord. Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the gathering this morning. Lord, we're thankful just looking in the church and seeing in every corner we've got somebody here. Lord, we have things we have to work around because of the current world situation. But Lord, I'm so grateful to see the hearts of your people that want to be here and that want to hear your word. They're here this morning because they want to meet with you, Lord. They want to fellowship with you. Lord, they're your children. Father, we're asking today that you will not disappoint them. Lord, I, I couldn't match all of what the expectations are, but Lord, you are the match for everything. Would you come this morning, Lord, in your own special way? Lord, as hands have been lifted, there are needs, there are burdens, there are deep-rooted things that we can't even express sometimes. Lord, maybe there's requests we've held for years and years, but Lord, you know the time. You know the answer. You know just what it takes. Would you help us this morning, Lord? Father, we're inviting you now to come. I'm standing here at this pulpit, Lord, but I'm asking, Lord, as I've yielded my vessel and I continue to yield it, that you will now take, oh Lord, that which you've placed in my heart already. You'll also increase that which is needed in your people. Lord, there's a supernatural omnipotence that happens when the children of God gather together. Lord, may you energize us this morning. Father, there's demon spirits that are here this morning to take us down, to disappoint us, to cause us to be disappointed. But Lord, the good news of the gospel has never changed. We're asking you, Lord, to take control, take the preeminence in this service. We ask it for your glory and honor. Lord, remember this sister Angie, her need. Remember every hand that was lifted now. And Father, as we open the pages of the Bible, we're asking that you will express yourself, make yourself known, even by the breaking of bread this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to musicians. Thank you, Brother Michael. Thank you all for your participation, for standing. A little longer. I'll be standing about an hour longer than you, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> any rate, let's turn to Malachi chapter 4. We'll also read from Galatians 1. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been speaking here, and uh, I, uh, I've certainly appreciated the services that we had first with our brother Tim Dodd. Then uh, I was away for Father's Day. Brother Andrew just ministered wonderfully, and, and the brothers that ministered in between, we want to thank you. That was a blessing. God bless you, Brother Moses, and uh, Brother Max also. So grateful that the Word of God comes every service, and so we're thankful for that. And then last weekend with Brother Dwayne, so I've, I've got thoughts that I've been thinking on, and I, 
I'll tell you what, I was struggling. I had four, five, six different directions I could go, and by the grace of God, we're going to take it one way. So um, I also just wanted to mention this last week, we had our Sister Emma, if you all remember Sister Emma that used to be at the front here, she moved to Manitoba. She got engaged this last week, and her and her fiancé were coming through Edmonton. We had a chance to meet them, and she sent greetings to the church. So just greetings from Sister Emma. She was always such a blessing. You know what I really appreciated about her? Is she said amen, and she pulled on the word. And you know what? If you would know... Friends, I just, sorry, I, I got you standing still, but if you would know what a little word does sometimes, as a parent for your children, as if you would know what it means to communicate to a brother or someone, just a little text, a little something, you know, a word in due season, it's like apples of gold in pitchers of silver, the Bible says. And you know, your little amen, your pull this morning can change the whole service. No matter how much I study, this is a supernatural thing of not just a speaker, but of a spirit of God that's in this building. Are you good with that? That's just a pep talk. Faith cometh by hearing. Remember, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Yes, amen. Ouch, whatever. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Malachi 4. I know we know the scripture, but let's just really read it in the context of where we're at today. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. We see the great and the dreadful day. But before that would ever happen, I would send you Elijah the prophet. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, he's, he's talking about what was in the fathers would manifest in the children. And the children would manifest what was in the fathers. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. I'll invite you to go to the book of Galatians, chapter 1, with me, if you will. Had a busy, stressful couple of days, and there's a couple of things I should have got to, and if I missed getting back to someone, I know Brother Ray, I need to get back to you, I'll do that this afternoon, the Lord willing. There's a couple people that I've left, but just... By the grace of God, we're here this morning. <laughs> As Brother Ron Spencer said the other day, you know, it was an amazing testimony because he got to Brother Tim Pruitt's on Wednesday, and Wednesday was uh, four months to the day that the doctors had told him and said, uh, you have probably about four months to live. And he said, four months to the day, and he says, I just want to say something. I'm alive. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And I need to say something to the devil. In the middle of COVID-19, Laodicea, every other movement that's going on, all the thing, we're here. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach 
any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, I want you to look at the authority of Paul. Paul, who was actually fighting against the cause at one time, but was so turned around, and God chose him. That was God's choice. No matter if he had a hooked nose, no matter how he looked, no matter what his eyesight situation was, that was the vessel God chose. That was the vessel God identified with. And God is identified with a vessel in this day. And I gladly say, thank God he chose a vessel in this last day. Paul says then, and as we said before, which he just said in verse 8, so we say now again, if any man preach any other gospel than you have received, let him be accursed. So in verse 8 he talks about, then we have preached, and he, notice how he says it, we. He says, I'm a part of it, but there's others that are a part of it. We have preached unto you. And he says, now he says, that which you've received, if, you, if anybody comes with them, let them be accursed. Now, let's just go into verse 10 to 12. We'll read this. For do I now persuade men or, or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So his eye was single. He's, he's looking at one thing. And then he says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I, I, I think we ought to say right now, the gospel that we have received, that was the first church age messenger. The gospel that we have received of the last messenger was not of man. It was not of the man William Branham. It was not of the gift, but it was of God that did that. <coughs> and I'll say this, there's every demon in hell that will come against that. But herein we stand. And he says, but I neither received it of man. Now listen, it's amazing how Paul uses his language. He's the one, he says, the gospel that was of me. Now, I had to receive it first, he says. I didn't receive it of man. I didn't go to a seminary. I didn't go to a school. I didn't even do it by my own learning. But God revealed it to me. Neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Turn with me also to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 14, this scripture was actually a scripture the Lord made real while we were away, and I was streaming in on the Father's Day message and woke up on Father's Day, and I thought of Father and probably had a lot of thoughts that day, and, uh, but I'll read, read this to just set the tone for where we're going. Now Paul speaking to the Corinthians, verse 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, and I, I want to include daughters in that, I warn you, 
For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, there's a lot of influences on the Christian. You can, you can glean something from anywhere. You can glean something from a radio broadcast. You can glean something here. You can, you can pick up streaming. You can pick up, you know, all kinds of things everywhere. But Paul says, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have, yet have you not many fathers. Now, he's really making a distinction here. For in Christ Jesus... I, now he, he doesn't say, you know, just don't follow Paul, but he says, in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. And he doesn't stop there. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, Timothy, Timothy who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Amen. God bless his word this morning. I'm going to speak on maybe a subject on the faith of the forefathers, but I want to speak on the title, Begotten of God. To beget, and I, I looked at begotten, and I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. Begotten means a past tense of something, but to beget is to, the dictionary definition is to procreate as of the Father. This is what Webster's or the dictionary would say. It says also to generate something, usually children. And then the last part of the definition, it says to cause something to enter one's possession. So that's under the phrase beget. And if you actually then follow that through to begotten, it actually speaks of begotten in a more specific term. And it makes this distinction. It says... To be born means to exit the womb. To be born means to exit the womb. In other words, your life at birth. But to be gotten means to be conceived by parents. In other words, it's not just you, you came out, but there was actually a thought behind you coming out. So to be begotten is that life actually began earlier before you were ever born. Life actually started because there was a thought of you coming forward in a continuation of something greater. Now, I'll, I'll take it right to the message if I can, and I need to lay maybe a little bit of foundation just to take it where when I go to. But in the message, the, the message, Brother Branham said, if you ever fail, come back to this message, Christ the mystery of God revealed. He says, but what God wanted to do, he loved fatherhood, for he was a father. And the only way he could express it he was to become the son of man. And that's the reason Jesus said, kept saying, son of man. See, they didn't know what he was talking about, many of them. You can't be a son unless there's a father. 
You can't be a son or an expression, uh, uh, even a son of man, without there being something that initiated that. So he, he says this, so, and that's why Brother Bannon would say, there is no such thing as the eternal son of God. He says that's a lie of the devil. The son was an expression of the father. So he says he wanted to express himself. That's one of his great threefold purpose to express himself, to identify with human beings, to expression, express, express himself in stature of a perfect man. God reveals himself three ways. First, a pillar of fire, which was called the fatherhood. Then the same God manifest in Jesus Christ, built a body, made this body, Thirdly, through the death of that body, he sanctified a church he could dwell in. It was God above us, God with us, God in us. The same God. Oh my, if we would catch that. The one we're praying to isn't that far away from us. Even though we, we call him the Father. But he's right there expressing himself. We're fellowshipping with him when we have prayer. You know, the devil will paint a picture of prayer as being arduous. You know, oh, you got to do this. Prayer is fellowship. It's fellowship with the eternal aspect of God expressed in you. And as much as, as, much as you want fellowship, he wants fellowship. He'll also now go on and say this, and I'll just use this quote before we carry on. So he says... In the cloud, which was called the fatherhood, and he refers to as a pillar of fire, he also dwelt among man in the sonship, and now dwells in man by the Holy Ghost. And Brother Manum then says this, Father, let them see the same nature of God that remains the same was in Christ Jesus and is now in the church. I, I'll tell you, and, and we'll, we'll, Lord willing, we'll do it on a Wednesday. I've been preparing thoughts for it. But the Old Testament laws, their laws, their do's and their don'ts. But if you fail to catch the nature of God, the law was a shadow of good things to come. The law which required you to leave something for the neighbor, for the stranger, it expressed Christ. You're, you're, you're doing something to carry on the, the, the part of God that, that, that's being expressed in you. That's uh, another, I, I can't deviate this morning. I got enough thoughts. <coughs> so I'll, I'll stop there. So the same nature remains in Jesus, is in the church. I'll tell you what you, you need to look at sometimes because the devil is going about as a roaring lion. And as a roaring lion, he will try to intimidate you. He will try to intimidate me. He will try to get us muddled up. He will try to get our, our thinking, oh, this, this, and point to every which thing. There's thousands of voices in the world today. But I'll tell you what, you go back sometime if you ever need. If you ever get it, I, I put on a tape. And I go, no, this is a voice that makes a difference. This is a voice, not like any other voice. And I'll say this, all that are born of God will hear the voice of God in this generation. Yeah. 
and will identify with it to the end. I'll tell you, you, you ever get confused, I say this, I, and I'm not pointing to the man, William Branham, but I'm pointing to the vessel God chose. I don't see Brother Branham, I, I see Christ ministering through that vessel. Now let's just go to John chapter 1. I'm, I'm still laying a little foundation to really get to where I want to get to this morning. But if I don't cover it all, I'll, I got some things on my heart. But John chapter 1, and we'll, we'll just pick this up from, this is very familiar again, but I, I will never stop from bringing it into remembrance. We know where the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and that was with God. But in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. A person, the Word made flesh, His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, here it uses the words, the only begotten of the Father. Now, Adam was begotten of the Father, and yet Adam fell. And, and Adam and Eve had children and offspring, and they were begotten through a natural birth. And through that natural birth, yet God had children in there, but there was many others that were manifest through the natural part. But there was only one that was begotten with the purity of the Father. Uh, how, uh, Brother Dwayne, uh, just, it was wonderful how that came out. You know, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. You know, and, and I, I appreciate how he labored on it and just took time on it. It was, if we can just see the heart of God is for us. He's wanting, I don't, I don't want to make this sound difficult. I, I just want to say, as Brother Branham would say, it's God. Why do you hunger? Why do you thirst? It's God trying to get this secret to you. Where you came from. What your origin is. Why you are the way you are. Why you had to turn from sin. Why you had to go this way. Why you can't even explain it to people sometimes. But it's something that resonates inside. I didn't come from my earthly parents. I was begotten of the loins of God. So he says here, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. Drop down to verse 18. No man that has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. Now this goes a step further. He hath declared him. Now, in the church age book, Brother Branham would speak, and he says of John 1, verse 14, the Word was made flesh. He says, the very substance of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. To fathom the eternal God wanted to become human and mortal and, and become one of us. I, sometimes it does good just to clear your mind and think on these things. You know, like, like, how, I don't know, and I don't want to liken anybody, any of us to that, but Brother Adam would say, you know, 
Too many times it's like the, the animal that's grazing under the tree eating all the apples but never looks up to see where they came from that fell from the tree. Just look and see, Lord, how did I come to this? And, and where did it come from? And why me, Lord? I, I, I feel like as, as you see the world decaying, I feel like this has become more real. We are standing on holy ground. So he says, the very substance of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. The great spirit God, unto which no man could approach, now, no man had seen or could behold him, but was now tabernacled in flesh, dwelling among men, expressing the fullness of God to men. That was the fatherhood desiring to express himself. So all the Father was, he poured into Christ, and that was an expression of the Father, and it was a declaration of the great Spirit God. And it doesn't stop there. That's where we're going. Now in, in verse 18, no man has seen the only God, but here John goes a step further, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, God on occasions would manifest his presence by a cloud or fire, and it would strike fear into the hearts of men. His, his characteristics were only known by the revelation of the words of the prophets. Joseph was a type of Christ in the life that he lived. It showed how it typed Jesus Christ so perfectly. And Joseph would, would actually live it out and wouldn't even understand it. Why is this happening to me? You know, and, 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 and I've got to be careful. There's so much I want to get to, but I, I need to leave it. Let me, let me just drop it in. I might come back to it. I might not. But when Joseph had the dream, and he dreamt of his brothers bowing before him, and then he had a subsequent dream where identified by the moon and the sun, the Father was giving obedience to him. So there comes a point when the Father has invested everything into the Son, and now the Father says to the Son, you take it, Son. You lead the way. You've got my heart. You've got my spirit. You've got my life. Now you speak. That's the point the church has got to come to. Now, he would say it this way. He's saying, uh, you know, and, and Joseph, yet his life that he lived, he was hated of, the, of, of his brethren. He was sold into slavery. He was in a prison, yet he was raised to the highest place. Came to a place where there was a famine hit the land. And I'll say there's a famine that's hit the land. And the famine that hit the land, it came to such a place now that the Egyptians, after two years of famine, they wanted grain. They wanted food. They wanted substance. And Pharaoh said, go to Joseph. He'll tell you what to do. That's exactly where we are. And I'm not talking Joseph natural. Don't, don't, don't get me that way. But he says, I go to Joseph, which is Christ. He's got food in this hour. He's got the very thing you need. The Egyptians were not only willing to mortgage their lands, their, their cattle, everything that they had, but they eventually became bond servants. But Joseph, that's a type of Christ. So all that they knew of God the Father was through the words of the prophets, the lives of the prophets. 
But now it would say, now he became Emmanuel, God with us declaring himself. The word declare is taken from the Greek root which we interpret as exogesis, which is to thoroughly explain and make clear. I'll tell you what, in an age of opinions, there's one, this same God made himself clear through a simple prophetic gift in this last day. And I'll tell you what, that, I think that's wonderful because I, I stand here many times preaching. I don't want to preach in religious realms. I want to preach to make the word real. And I, I, if, I don't, if I fail to do it, I say, oh, God, teach me your ways that I can make the word real. I'm here this morning as a servant to say, God, what can I say that will help us become what you want us to be? I may not have all the tools that everybody else has, but I'll say this. I've got a heart that wants to get this to you. And I thank God for that. So he says... To thoroughly explain and make clear, that is what the living word Jesus did. He brought God to us, for he was God. He revealed God to us with such perfect clarity. And then he goes back to John 1, verse 1. Well, let me read it. First John 1, verse 1 to 3. That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen from our eyes, that which we have looked upon, that which we have handled of the word of life, the life was manifest, we have seen it, we bear witness, it's eternal life, it was with the Father, and it's manifest unto you, and that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, um, let, let me just take this a step further, if I can. Um, my, did, I, did I give you Hebrews chapter 1 there, Brother Dan? Take, let's go, Hebrews chapter 1. Let's just read this quickly. Hebrews chapter 1, and, and I'm, I'm just trying to get you into the thought process that I was in. Hebrews chapter 1, verse... I could take it all, but verse 5 is where I want to get to, but it's how God has made himself real in these last days, speaking to us by his Son. And in verse 5 he says, But which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be a son. Now he's talking now on a level of of what God desired and he placed in a son that could be trusted because it was from the very loins, the very genes of God that the fabric of his being was made. And, and, he, and, and God's desire, see a father exists there for a period of time and then a father turns it over to the son. Now fatherhood is that way. I, I'll, I'll put it in natural terms. We were away in had an opportunity one day just to go golfing with my son. And it was nice because it was late in the day and we got a good rate and it was in the mountains and it was beautiful and, and it was wonderful. And we're golfing and I thought, this is a really nice course and we got it at half price and, and, and we were golfing and I was playing terrible. And, uh, you know, there's always a little bit of friendly banter, you know, and, and my son started hitting some really good shots. I'll tell you what, as a father, I was thrilled. 
He was enjoying himself, and, and, I, and I thought, wow, that's tremendous, and we're high-fiving. And in the meantime, my, my shot careers off into the bush and goes wherever, and I'm looking for a golf ball, and I come out with seven others, you know, because that's, you know, <laughs> a lot of other golfers that are on the same level as me. And so, you know, but I was rejoicing to see him prosper. And I'll say this, friends, a true father wants to see it passed on, wants to see it go down. That's the heavenly father that we have. And if we're real fathers cut in that image, we want to pass this on. We want to make this real. We're not, it's not all about us. We're a father, but it has to come to a son at some point. And that's, that's our desire. What other father? The father of all. He's made known to us the back part of his mind. He's let us know what was in his heart. And he gives it to us that we may prosper and be blessed. John chapter, oh sorry, I skipped, I skipped a couple, I'll come back to it. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 5. Wow, it's raining. That's kind of strange. Sarcasm coming out again. So also Christ, verse 5, this is Hebrews 5, verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he said, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Now, there's a time when when he was, a day would come that he would truly be begotten. When the realization of what he was doing and where it came from. I may not get to John chapter 8, but the language of John chapter 8, if you read it, is amazing. As Jesus is speaking to, to the Pharisees, and he's talking about what he's manifesting and why he's manifesting it. And they did not know that he was speaking of the Father and the life that the Father was expressing through the Son. And then, you know, he speaks that way, and they right away resort, we have Abraham our father. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a human disposition to create someone, someone as a figurehead or as a symbol that we can use, that we can look up to. Some hero, some messiah, some favorite person, some favorite, you know, in the world you'd have a sports star, you'd have, you'd have a movie star, a fashion queen, but it, it even translates into religion where it's a favorite preacher, where it's a favorite this. That's actually displeasing to God. Because we need to give the glory back to the Father where it came from. The kingdom principles are greater than the symbols that God uses. We often identify, well, we, we go to Brother Harold's church, or we go to Brother so-and-so's church. That, that's a figure, but really, it's the church of God. Amen. It's a church where God ordained a brother to be there. But it's the church of God. That's whose church it is. And then, I'm as subject to it as everybody else is. And I'm subject this morning. Now, so Paul is speaking here, you know, there's so much more I could get into, and I, I may pick it up further, but i laying this foundation a little bit. Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. 
Now, let, let's just go back for a moment to John chapter 3, verse 16. This is very familiar. And again, and again it, it follows in the context of the begotten. So he says here, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For, so again, he, he puts it in such context here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So only the children of God will be able to receive what God does. What are the works of God? That we believe on Him whom God has sent. Him who God is expressing, declaring unto us. Now, God opens this up. Whosoever will may come. So He even opened it up to Cain. If, if you want to come, come. Just do what your brother did. But he couldn't do it. And he opens it up. He even opened it up to the great whore in Revelations. You know, I, I gave her space to repent. He op What a good God we have. He gives way. There'll be no excuse. But really, it's for the children of God. And, and, and it's those that are expressed of God, that come from God, who it's sent to. But God says, if you want to come, 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 come too. No problem. Come on in. <laughs> what a good God. <laughs> but yet, the way Jesus was begotten, and I'm, I'm coming to that part of it. Now, drop down to verse 18, if you will, in the same. He that believeth on him, who? The only begotten, is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there is only, so the only real begotten is Jesus Christ. Because we were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We all came to the world speaking lies. We couldn't be truly begotten in this realm. But through Jesus Christ, the only begotten, that would be our channel to come back through it. Now if I read this, I'm going back to Christ, the mystery of God revealed and, and Brother Branham would say this. Now, his purpose was to identify with human beings. So his great eternal purpose was, number one, to express himself in Christ. Then to gain preeminence in the body of believers. Now, he makes this statement. He could have done that in Adam and Eve, but sin separated them. There had to be some way to get it back again. And he says, why didn't he just keep Adam and Eve like that? Because then he never would have been able to fully express his fullness, his full attribute. He was a father there, that's true. But he also was a savior. And he said, so he had to be able to express that. He had to be able to express, uh, how could he express to be a son? But through Christ. Christ. 
How could he express to be a healer? But through Christ. And he says it was all wound up in one person. Jesus Christ. He says, when I think of that, I see denominations pass off the scene. I see God's great purpose revealing himself to bring the fullness of the Godhead bodily into a people that he could have the preeminences and the oversight and the leading. I think that's wonderful. Now, I'm going to just take it this way for a moment. Because in the Church Age book, Brother Bannon would speak this in the Church Age book. And this will just kind of move me into the next parts of this. Oh my, I still have another little. Let's just read this. Herein is set forth the love of God. He desired a family of his own. A family of sons, sons like himself. There before him lies all of mankind as one lump of clay. Out of that lump he will make vessels unto honor and to dishonor. The choosing will be his own choosing. Those chosen ones born of his spirit will be trained to conform to his image in their walk. So Jesus, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. Even Jesus, who was born perfect, yet he conformed himself to flesh. He identified with us, and he allowed himself to be chastened just like we are, that we could come to the fullness of adoption. Amen. Now, as, 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 uh, let's go to Hebrews 11. I just need to maybe lay a little more here. Hebrews 11, and this is in verse... 17. So this is speaking of Abraham. You know, the, he really sets the tone for, I always read the verses before, the verses after, but I'm just jumping in. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now this is, this is, again, paralleling the language we were just in. Really, Abraham, you know, I, I'll just, just summarize the story. Abraham was promised an heir. And the heir would be the seed of Abraham. And through that seed, there would be a continuation of the seed of Abraham. And it would be naturally and it would be spiritually. But that seed, uh, that seed had to come according to God's appointed way. So Abraham, he, he, desired, he desired to bring that forth. He couldn't do it. He was weak. He couldn't do it. And he listened to Sarah who told him, well, take Hagar because I can't bring it forth. And, and Hagar and, and brought forth an Ishmael. But that wasn't the only begotten son. Because the begotten son was the heir of the promise. Now you can be, and, and Brother Man would make this distinction often, you could read, the seed is not heir with the shuck, but there'll be churches, churches, brides, brides, but there's got to come one. There'll be lots of religious moves, but there's got to come one. 
that God had foreseen, had foreknown. And I'll say this, as we feed on the word, it becomes very clear. I've got to tune out some other voices. I've got to tune this out. I must go this way. I don't know what was in the animals at the ark. They may be in a herd of cows together. They may have been giraffe or lions. But all of a sudden, one of them caught, caught the revelation and said, I've got to go. The other said, where are you going? I don't know, but I've got to go. And that's the same way it is because we were a part of the plan of God. You can't even explain it to people sometimes. But you can identify with it by a call, by a realistic saying, that's a deep calling to the deep. I must go. And I'll say, that call doesn't stop. It doesn't stop once you get to a church. It doesn't stop once you get to a certain level. But it keeps pulling. It keeps calling. It says, there must go this way. And some go that way. And some go this way. But I must go. I've got to go all the way. So Abraham says, I got this son. He's the only son I've got, really. And if you really want to catch Abraham's revelation on Isaac, he believed that this was the only one, but the faith was so great that he was willing to offer him, saying, I know God can raise him up again. So he says in verse, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now this was a type of Christ again. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 4. I'll just kind of finish this thought through. Verse 1. Actually, the latter part of this, Paul gets into the whole scenario of chapter 4 of uh, Hagar and Sarah, and the children of the bondwoman, and the children of the free. Because only a child that's begotten is truly free. You can be the child of a church. You can be the child of a family in the church. But only them that are born of God are truly free. I say this, strive with all you can. I want to know Him. I want to know the Master of the wind. I want to know my Redeemer liveth. I want to know where I came from and where I'm going to. It didn't start here. It won't end here. But it started way back. And there's a deep call I've got to go to. He says in verse 1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be the Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Now God is a Father. He'll do things and, you know, there may be periods of time where he doesn't do anything. But it doesn't stop him from being the father. He's always the father. He's always God. But at certain intervals, God does something. So it's just like the man who is the violinist. Or <clears throat> and the violinist, he'll play at a concert. On a weekend, he'll play. They'll all see him. He puts down his violin. He doesn't play it all week. Doesn't stop him from being a violinist. But at the next time of his appearing, at the next performance, he picks it up. And the violinist was always the violinist. But he chooses the time and the hour in which he'll express himself. And so he chose the time that he would be a father. He chose the time that he would be a son, the only begotten. But he also chose the time that he would express himself through his many-membered 
body. Sons and daughters that were born of the same spirit. Sons that were redeemed by the only begotten of the Son. Now, he says here, even so is under the time appointed. Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. It's God's full intent that he will one day, as he did, as he laid the kingdom down to the son, as he expressed on Mount Transfiguration, this is my son, hear ye him. There's actually coming a time where he's going to say to the world, this is my bride. She's the final voice. You hear her. She has been begotten of me. What she says will not be of herself, but will only express what I have given her to express. She has thus saith the Lord. She stands still. And, and if she, she doesn't say a thing, but if she has to say something, it's exactly what God wanted her to say. He says now, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I, I really am not, this is services upon services we could speak, but I'm using all of this to get us to a certain place. Now, let me, I won't, I'll skip a scripture here, Brother Dan, but let me, let me just start with this. <clears throat> this last week, July 1st, was Canada Day. And Canada Day was a celebration of the country and the birth of the country. And the country became known as a country when the forefathers got together and said, this is what we're going to govern this nation on. And they wrote the constitution of the nation. And the nation is a body of fundamental principles. So the nation consists of a body of fundamental principles or established precedents in accord to which a state or an organization has chartered to be confirmed. Now, it becomes the binding thing. Now, I'm referring to Canada, but Brother Branham refers to it because he was an American, so I'm going to refer a little bit on the context of the American side. And really, we are twins. So I, I'm, don't, don't take me to be biased. I, I'm, I'm saying as much Canadian, but because I have more information available, on, on the American side. So when the forefathers of the Constitution to America, because yesterday was July 4th, that was the United States' birthday. 1776, I believe they were initiated and, and such. So, and, and Brother Random actually talks about it. He says, um, what does he say here? It was 17, on 1776, July the 4th. And this is in, in the Masterpiece message in 1964. He says, there's never been a democracy that's ever existed on earth for over 200 years. We've got 11 years left. He says, if it continues, it won't continue. It'll break history. 
And then he talks about how every nation must fall, the condition of politics. I, I won't get into that. But at, just to take this thought through now, I've, I've spent time dealing on the spiritual aspect, but I want to bring it down a little bit naturally on a, on a, on a, on a constitutional country level, but I want to take it to that which binds the nation and draw a parallel. So the forefathers of the Constitution of the United States, they came when Christopher Columbus came across, it was for religious freedom. The early pilgrims that were being persecuted in Europe, they came across because they wanted to be able to free, to worship uh, according to the liberty and the dictates of their heart. So God put it in their hearts. They came here. They founded a new nation. And as they founded a new nation, they began to settle. And then because the British had rule and the French, there was a fight. There was a squabble. There was many things that happened. But finally, you know, from, from Columbus in 1500 up to 1700, there was, there was tremendous warfare, um, you know, between the British and the French. George Washington was a man who was used he was a man of prayer. He was a man who was seen visibly kneeling before the Bible, praying before it, going into battle. He was there when he crossed the Delaware River, and he says bullet holes went through him. He was a man who was led of God. He was initiated of God. Washington was a man of, court, of character. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm having to put it this way because we need to catch the inspiration of the forefathers. And God dealing with the forefathers. And I've just been speaking on one of the forefathers, which is Paul. Paul had an inspiration. He was, he was acting in a fatherly role. And he had, a, he had a diligence as a father through the Spirit of Christ. Now the forefathers of the United States, uh, and there were seven great figureheads. It was Adam, it was Benjamin Franklin, it was Hamilton, it was, it was Tay, it was Thomason, Jeff Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. These were the seven men. But the seven men, when they finally got together and they signed the Declaration of Independence, they came together, and as they came together, they actually, it was a spirit-led thing. They actually had seven men, but they put an extra chair out. And the extra chair, Brother Adam says it this way, there's not a speck of doubt in my mind that the Son of God sat at that table when this nation was founded on the principles of freedom of religion. Now he's saying what the foundation was. So that foundation was on the principle of freedom for all it says, but we have corrupted that. Now, he, he brings it this way, and if, if I would go to now how Brother Branham will talk about this nation, because he's an American, and he talks in the message identification, and he, he really makes his identification, and I'm drawing a parallel to a natural nation, but I want you to remember there's a holy nation. And he says this, he says, Speaking here in, uh, in, in the principles, he says, To be an American, I have to be identified with everything she has ever done. When they landed on Plymouth Rock, the forefathers, I was there. There ought to be something when you read the story of Joseph that identifies, yeah, I, I, I know a little bit of that. 
There ought to be something when you read about Elijah standing in opposition. Yeah, I know a little bit of that. Friends, why? We are catching the inspiration of the founding father. And the founding father, Brother Adam would say, I was at Plymouth Rock with the pilgrims. And, and the night that the British were going to attack, a man caught an inspiration and he knew he caught wind of the attack and his name was Paul Revere. And he said, I've got to warn everybody. And he rode his horse through the night crying, the British are coming, the British are coming. And Brother Adam says, I was with him. I was there with him. He says, I was fighting with him. And I say it this way, when Brother Branham stood there in the midst of all of the, the, the churches, and he says, preaching in Chicago on the Godhead, I was there. When he stood in India and all the pagan religions, I was there. And you need to have that identification. You need to carry that value today. If you are a true son, you will catch what the forefather did. And he says, now I, my, oh my, that was a time getaway here. He says this, whatever this nation is, I am. I landed on Plymouth Rock. I rode with Paul, I rode with Paul Revere. I crossed Valley Forge. I was on that icy river with George Washington. I had cold feet that morning. I saw Washington come out of the wilderness, wet, plumb up to his waist for where he was praying all night. I stood with Stonewall Jackson when the opposition was great. And the armies were all having, they were all getting weary in the battle. And they said, where is Jackson? And one of the men said, he's up there. Standing like a stone wall. And all the men took courage and said, He's standing there. We'll fight. We'll go forward. I stand with one of the fathers of the gospel here, Brother Harold. I was there when he was in Africa. I was there when I seen him, his strength sapped down to nothing. 28 days in a row, he preached a service every day. And finally, he couldn't preach, and this young man named Ed Hammermeister came and had to take two services. Wow. But I was there. And I'll say this, I'm still there. I'm still standing for it today. And I say, friends, whatever the enemy will do, whatever he will try to diminish, I say we need to go back to the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. We are not a denominational system. We are not born of man. We are born of God. We are born of the Spirit of God that came in this generation. And we will stay that way. I'll tell you, there's some liberties that we are being stripped of. We can't gather the way we used to. But I'll say this, we'll abide. But I'll say you need to be in the spirit of God to recognize when the time comes, it'll turn. Don't just rely on the government. The government that Daniel abode with in Daniel chapter one, he says, give us a chance to eat our meat. That same government raised up corrupt men who challenged Daniel and threw him in a lion's den even so much that the king was so disappointed he'd signed the ruling. 
That same spirit exists in the land today. I'll tell you, the Antichrist spirit is alive and well. And it is forming. And I say this, on the other side of that, the spirit of God is also alive and well. And is dwelling in the hearts of his people. Brother Branham says he's standing like a stone wall. Jackson, how is it that you stood when the opposition was so great? A very modest man, he kicked off his boot and said, I never take a drink of water until I thank Almighty God. And he says, you're going into battle tomorrow. He says, if I'm laying in bed or I'm in battle, it doesn't worry me because I've committed my life to God. My life is in God's hands. I was at the Boston Tea Party. I helped drink some of the British, I helped throw some of that British tea out in the ocean. <laughs> I had to be, to be an American. I rang the Declaration of Independence with John, Thomas Jefferson. I rang that Liberty Bell on July 4th, 1776. I'm identified in her shame. I have to be identified in her shame if I'm identified in her glory. He says, I was there at Wake Island when all them soldiers lost their lives. I helped hoist the flag on Guam. And then he turns and says, to be a Christian, I must be the same. Yes, sir, if I'm a Christian and I preach the gospel, I was there with Noah. I was there when the ark's door was closing and he was making the last call. Oh, friends, the Spirit has to stay with us. Let me, let me take it a step further. When our forefathers landed for freedom of religion, it was on these sacred soils here that praying men and women went forth to establish this great spiritual economy that we're privileged to serve today. No American should be ashamed of their forefathers who landed in this country. We are witnessing right now as we speak some of the greatest waves of the moving upon humanity that have ever been. We are witnessing where by, and I say this, there's a legitimacy to this virus, but the fear thereof has forced every nation and simultaneously to bend to bow. We're witnessing where cultural and ethnic diversity that's always existed suddenly has become an issue. And it's, it's unprecedented. So much so, they are tearing down the statues of the forefathers. Yesterday, in Richmond, I think, or was it Columbus, a group of rebels came overnight and tore down the statue of Columbus, saying when he came to this land, he exhibited racial indiscretions against the natives. And they took the statue down and threw it in the river, forgetting 
the very principles that they were founded on. They've defaced statues of men like Stonewall Jackson, General Lee, because they were on the South, Christian men. This, listen, this is not, they're defacing the symbols, and in so doing, they're also degrading the very constitution that they were written upon. I'm going to read something to you. And if you want the link, I'll give you the link. But it is what they call the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm going to say this, all lives matter. And Brother Duane said it so well last week. You can, you can take the link to where they talk about blacklivesmatter.com, what we believe. And I read through the whole thing. And then it began to get a little bit and there was a section in there where it started to go to, we believe in full uh, inclusion of transgender, and we believe in all of these things, and we are against the nuclear family that has always existed. We don't believe that. Now, there are brothers in the United States that are in this message that are preachers that are getting flack from their church assembly because they're not advocating the Black Lives Matter movement. Friends, we're forgetting our Constitution. We're forgetting the very principles of freedom that we were founded on. It included everybody. But these are spirits that are rising up. It says, we include homosexuality. If this gets touchy, forgive me, but I'm speaking the truth. And I'm going to tell it like Brother Branham did, because Brother Branham would, every once in a while, he would stop. And he would say, and I'm gonna, you know, he would say, now you're my children. And I'm going to tell you this. You, you know, he says, you have many instructors, but not many fathers. And he would speak very specifically. I, I, I mean, and let me just drop this in. That's the office that I had to come under when Brother Harold would speak sometimes. And I say, yes, I recognize the Father speaking through an earthly father. And, and a pastoral gift is there as a representative for our benefit. You, you can pick, as, as, a, as, a, as my son could go, he could pick a brain from somebody about mechanics. He could pick a brain from somebody about sports. He could pick a brain from somebody. He could get all kinds of information from all kinds of places. But none of those places have the oversight or the, the same office that a father would. A father is someone who is watching out, who is looking, who is continually there, watching for the direction they're going. And I'll say, that spirit can go into the whole world. There's, there's times I need to sit down with my sons. There's times I need to sit down with myself. Tell it like it is. Smarten up. So unless you think I'm picking on anybody. It's, there's times, like Paul, this is what you were called to do. You need to do it. And I say this, there's times, friends, you can go and you can pick from a streaming service here, a streaming service there. You can pick from somebody, you can pick from somebody, and yet never really hear from the Father. 
Brother Brandon would say it simply. You need to take a church where you can subject yourself and be a part of and put your shoulder to the wheel. And I'm just going to say it honest this morning. If you're not getting that here, you need to be somewhere where you are. Don't just pick and choose. You need to come, not just under Brother Ed, but you need to come under the declaration of independence that was given by a father, a spiritual father, William Branham in this last day. And then you need to recognize it's not just him, it's we. It's a faithful Timothy. It's another one. And you need to recognize, God, you're speaking to me. And I'll tell you what, if you can submit yourself to that, It'll be to your benefit. There's a young man who's seeking a wife. I like this one. I want that one. I want this and I want that. I said, you know what you need to do? You need to put that desire into the lap of the Father. Not me, not an earthly man, but the heavenly Father. And allow him to pick for you. Because he will do better for you than you can do for yourself. He will do better for you than you want to do for yourself. You have many instructors, not many fathers. Listen, this may not be easy for me to preach, but it's very true. Black Lives Matter says, and I'm not picking on that. I'm, I'm here, I say this, some of my dearest friends are colored people. I got minister friends around the world. I got brothers and sisters that are here. And they are, and they always will be my brothers and sisters. But the spirit behind this, the spirit behind this, he says... If you want, you can read the article. It says, The Western prescribed nuclear family is an elementary family consisting of two parents and their children, one or more. It is in contrast to a single-parent family, the larger extended family, a family with more than two parents. And he says, this is a... And then they they talk about homosexuality and all the inclusions. Friends, how are we supposed to advocate this? There's a greater inclusion All that are born of God are the children of God, and they're one by one blood. Brother Branham would say this, and you you look at the spirit that this is breeding. It's a spirit of lawlessness. If I could read you something, friends, that would, I, I, again, I'll I'll be glad if anybody wants, I'll, I'll give this to you. But if I could give you something, and this is something that Abraham Lincoln wrote. Abraham, this is about 50 years after the Constitution was written. And back then, he, it's called the Lycamium Dress. And he was 28 years old at the time, and he gave this speech. He was quite an orator, Abraham Lincoln. And he began to speak a speech because in the time that he lived... There was the burning in St. Louis by a mob of a Negro, he said. There was another thing that happened. And he begins this address and he says, we have been, you know, he goes back addressing the foundation of the 
American people and their establishment and how all these things have come. And he says, it's been 50 years. And then he really puts it in these terms, if I can just do it, because he orates it so well. But he says, I fear our ambition is outweighing our values. I fear our self-serving initiatives are taking away from our constitutional values. I'm going to put it this way. How many have you heard say, oh, the government gave me a check, you know, da-da-da-da, and you know what, I I got it, and such, such, such. You know, if we really cared about the country, would we do that? And, And I'm talking about a natural country that's gone already. But I'm saying, what about church? That's the real country. That's the holy nation. I think we ought to care for one another. We ought to express it to one another. There's no rejoicing when somebody misses the mark. There's no rejoicing when somebody falls over the wayside. But there ought to be a constitutional value embedded in us. It goes beyond being a part of our church or under our ministry. But it's the value of the message that we have been given. As a nation of free men... Lincoln says, we must live through this time or die, and even if it means by suicide. He said, I fear what has happened in St. Louis. He talks about this thing. I fear what's happened here. The horror of this, the effects of mob law. Listen, you could almost say this was written for today. The effects of mob law have become so frequent. And he says, the stories have grown all too familiar. He says, He says, they're taking a small evil and passing judgment with a greater evil. (sighs) If that isn't where this nation is at, where the world is at. Now I need to bring it home. Well, let me just finish with this. He would say this. I I had so many things. He says, "Brother, Brother Branham would say, Our nation is getting rottener by the hour. Swearing, cursing, naked women, immoral. Poison the minds of young children till they've raised a bunch of beatniks and hoodlums. He said, it's exactly the truth. Our nation is turning to a bunch of hoodlums. And he's saying, he says, he says, you, they, well, he talks about waterhead haircuts and hoodlums, and you call that, you've fallen from grace. Repent or you'll perish. And then he talks about the, the, Oh my, oh my, I missed the quote here. Anyway, he says, oh, here it is. In another 10 to 15 years, every man or woman in Shreveport will have to pack a gun to protect themselves. Why? The hoodlums are on the street and you can't stop it. If only they would have trusted in Jesus. If they only would have heard and received what was sent to them. As Paul received. As those under Paul received. Now. My oh my. Okay. I'm, I'm just. Let's go back to Galatians. Uh, chapter 1. Now, Paul's talking to the Galatians, and really, you know, he speaks some nice words in verses 1 to 5, 
you know, he's talking to them, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Christ Jesus and God the Father who raised them from the dead and all the brethren, all the churches. You know, and then, you know, never one to, you know, he said some niceties at the beginning of the service and then he dropped the bomb. He says, verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto grace. Huh. What? <laughs> he says, unto another gospel. What do you mean, Paul? And then he says, verse 6, which is not another, but there's some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. So the spirit of lawlessness that you see in the world today, that spirit doesn't stop there. That spirit comes right into the church. And that thinking pervades in the church. You know, it's always amazing how now, years ago, after Columbus is gone, after these great men have gone, after all of this, now they tear down the statues. Now they tear it down. They forgot the first rule of the whole Constitution of the United States. The first part of that really was, was in, in, in what they call the, the, all the amendments. The first amendment of, of the Constitution of the USA is this, and it says this, the very first amendment, they say. And they talk about how it was ratified and all of these things. It said, there shall be no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting its free exercise. The nation was founded on religious freedom. This message was founded on God freeing us. We're not bound anymore. You got to hear this man. You got to hear this preacher. No, you got to hear the voice of God. If you ever are confused, put on a tape. If I ever bind you, come and tell me. My desire is not to point to a church, a man, a minister. My desire is to point to the Constitution, the covenant that God has made with us. And Paul is speaking. There's some that would pervert it. Let me say it this way. If the symbols, the statues, are torn down, the Constitution remains. Even though those men that were founded... Columbus came, founded on religious, written into the Constitution. If they bomb the White House and it's tore down, the Constitution remains. Now let me take it a step further. If they take this message and they seek to denominate it and make it a move, and you got to hear this and you got to hear that, that doesn't take away from the Constitution. If they take away all our tapes, if they take away all our books, the Constitution is in my heart. The Constitution is written in me. If they stop us from having services, the Constitution prevails. It is written in our hearts. This message will not be denominated. This message will not be given into the hands of man. It's already been given by God. And he's displayed it through the Son of Man in this last day. And to me, that is holy ground. And I'll stay on that holy ground. Paul, speaking, 
There's some that would trouble you or pervert you. And he says, do I seek to please men? No, I please God. And I'll tell you what, there's times when you preach, you want to you wanna be liked. You wanna, there's times you want to preach, you say, there's something burning in my bones. And if it, if it hits me, it hits me. If it hits my family, if it hits somebody else, I need to preach it. And I don't want to do it holding back, but I don't want to do it just also being an overlord. And if, if I've got some role as, as, as a shepherd, there's a chief shepherd that watches over all of us. I, I could read more in, in the book of Galatians, but let me just go back to Psalms chapter 105. Psalms 105. You know what, Brother Dan, let's skip that one. Let's just go to Psalms 128, I believe it is, 138. What did I write there? 138, if you would. Psalms 138, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise towards thee. I will worship towards thy holy temple. I will praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now look at the last part of what David expresses. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And I say this, there's a word that we've been given in our hands. And to me, it's not just there to banter about and, you know, pick it and choose it and give my opinion on it. I say, There's a supreme authority that's been given here. Paul, when he said, though an angel, he says, speak any other gospel than we have preached, let him be accursed. And I say the same thing. I believe God has vindicated in this last day that which is real. And it's funny how just like the temples and, or rather the statues and all the things that are being torn down, it's after the prophet came that they start tearing down. Oh, this didn't happen, or that didn't happen, or this didn't happen. Why didn't they come when he was here? Why didn't they do that? And I'll say this, because it's another spirit that is working just like it was back there. And I say we need to be very conscious that we are rooted and fortified in this. Don't make your stand on some man. Don't make it. On just some church. I say this. You pray to God. Let him lead you to a godly church. A godly man. A godly pastor. You let him be Lord. But you always put God first. You always give God the glory. I'm going to. I got a whole other thought. I'm gonna, I could have got into. But I'm going to leave it there. And I want you to know. We have been begotten of God. We have not been begotten of man. God has had us in his mind. As the musicians come. You know, it was, it was Paul who spoke in the book of Hebrews. And while he was speaking in the book of Hebrews, he said, gird up the loins of your mind. But he talks this in Hebrews chapter 7. And he talks about how God viewed Abraham and what was in Abraham. 
And he says, Abraham, when he met Melchizedek, he paid tithes. A simple little act. But yet in Abraham, God wasn't just looking as Abraham, the father of the faith, but he was looking at the sons of Abraham. And God began to rightly proportion to them also their lot. And he looks at Abraham, and he sees Abraham paying tithes, and then God says, from his loins, from Abraham's loins, I see Levi paying tithes. Therefore, Levi is going to have a, prostitute, uh, sorry, a, a prophetic, Aaronic gift, and he's going to be able to, to, to uh, receive tithes. He's, he's going to be the Levites that will receive. Why? Because God said so. This wasn't just Levi saying, you know, I'm of a certain tribe. I, I'm, Levi didn't come up and just say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm linked to Eleazar, I'm linked to Moses, I'm linked to this lineage. No, it came from God. We have been begotten of God. This, I, I say this, I, I, I just put on a tape, and I just heard a few words, and I was just in prayer. I said, oh God, this is so precious to me. This is real to me. And I just say this, you're going to need to have a root in this place. You're going to need to not just listen to tapes, but identify with tapes. You're going to need to identify, as Brother Branham identified with the Constitution that was written by Paul, who was given it by Christ Jesus, and he said, every word that Paul preached, I preached. He picked up the faith of the forefathers, and he brought it right down to this day. And when he looked beyond the curtain of time, when he declared those words, there was millions that said, we're resting on that. We're resting on that. Brother Ed, why are you preaching that way? Because what you see in the world doesn't stop in the world. It comes right into the church. I, I can repeat the quote to you almost exactly. Invisible union. Brother Bram says, the complete insanity of the world. We see it coming to it. It's marching on the streets. It's coming right into the church pew. What was it in John chapter 8? I didn't refer to it. John chapter 8. What was the issue? Two fathers. The spirit of the heavenly father and the spirit of the other Read John chapter 8 and you watch it. Now say, watch the nature behind something. Something that rises up, I will ascend. I will do this. I'll do this. I'll say this, friends. We've been given, we've, we've, we've been given a messenger. We, we've had many instructors, 10,000. But I'll say this, we've had not many fathers. We've been given a messenger. We've been given a prophet. We've been given pastors. We've been given, even natural parents, so you that are children in the message, you've been given natural parents. Is this all right this morning? I, I trust you catch, I, maybe give, God gives you some of what's on my heart today. I may not have done a very good job expressing it, but I'll just say this. I, I'm not ashamed of what I preached this morning. I'm not ashamed of the message of the hour. I'm not ashamed of the messenger. I'm not ashamed in the face of all of the things that are going on, I know whom I have believed. 
Let's stand together. Let's sing that song, I Know Whom I Have Believed. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me He hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for His own. say 